Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Anime is for Jerks. My name is Cass. I'm Alex. And this month, we are talking about Tokyo Godfathers, uh, directed by Satoshi Kon, produced by Madhouse. Alex, what did you think about this movie? Uh... Yeah, yeah, this movie... So yeah, the first 10 minutes, I assumed I was going to fucking hate it, based on the number of red flags that got thrown up. To its credit, I didn't hate it. Yeah, it gets better. It like, but the, I didn't the, like it either. Yeah, the middle like half an hour is, I would say, pretty good, and it is bookended by stuff that bo- varies from bad to mediocre. It's <laughs> this movie is it's essentially like what if it's like Satoshi Kon trying to make a Coen Brothers movie, and he's really bad at it. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah, tremendously bad. That's what it's like. Uh, yeah, like like most of the time, I just found myself being reminded of better stories yeah that touch on similar on similar themes so what is the story so yeah so uh, so inexpertly okay so this is a movie about it's a movie about three homeless people um a like an old a middle-aged guy named Jin, uh a a trans woman named hana and a young like teenage runaway named yuki uh, and they, so it, the very first shot of this movie is of the most terrifying baby in the universe. Um, <laughs> and we, we zoom out and we find out that it's like a nativity scene at, uh, like a church. Um, yeah, that, this is, ki- this is kind of like, almost like a retelling of like some, like Christian. It's kind of like the gospels, like, but like. It's like the Gospels as written by the three wise men to, like, really, like, pump, bump up their prominence in the story. <laughs> uh, it covers some some similar themes, uh, yes. we'll say. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we, we sort of zoom out and we discover that this we're at a nativity scene and our our protagonists are there watching the sermon because after the sermon they will get some food um so they go and then we meet so so gin and uh uh hana get the food and then they go up on top of this roof where miyuki is uh spitting spitting on on people I think it was specifically Hana that she was spitting on. Well, she had spit on she. Well, after she she spits on somebody, and then she like draws a an image of a teardrop, indicating that she's been at this for what looks like several hours. Her, her kill count. Her kill count of of people that she's spit on. Um, and then she, yeah. So, so this is how we're sort of introduced to the three of them, and they are all like this is 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 that like. They they have the sort of like miserable assholishness of a Coen Brothers protagonist, but with none of the charm. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're all like, yeah. Early on, I was like, I don't really care. I, like, about these I don't want to. Wa- it's not that I don't care. Yeah. It's that I just don't want to watch a movie about these people because they're they're no fun. <laughs> they're just they're just mean. Yeah, like. Uh... Like, Kana is the very, like, well-meaning representation of a trans woman by a cis man. Yeah, it's... That... Like, the, the what happens is, is that after about 10, 15 minutes of this movie, it finally gets done being really pleased with itself and, like, exhausting every joke it can possibly think of. 
of like just like the concept of a trans woman is so fucking funny to Satoshi Kon for about ten minutes, and then he and then he gets tired of that, and then moves on, and the movie becomes okay. Um, but for the first ten <laughs> yeah. minutes, it's just like back to back to back jokes at Hana's expense for just no reason. Um, uh, yeah, and and that that was large the 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 red flags that i was yeah talking about. and they're still and just like oh great and Another... there's still a few more jokes after that but it mostly oh, sure. it gets it gets exhausted after it just yeah then then it's just like hana like is just an old queen who's very yeah. kind of like over the top in everything she does yeah and they take and... they take extreme joy in just drawing her as grotesquely as possible whenever they have the opportunity yeah um it's really it's uh, really loathsome it's... He, I mean, he, doesn't, he doesn't realize that like like he thinks maybe subconsciously that by having her be one of the protagonists and one of the people who like we are supposed to root for he can get away with yeah being shitty to her because you can you know his heart's really in the right place. Yeah, and and like you can like in a very sort of Coen Brothersy fashion, all of the characters are sort of constantly busting on each other over garbage, um, and just sort of being mean to each other for no reason. But it it yeah. like the insults hurt a lot more against Hana because they're a lot more vicious and and rooted right. in right. a lot worse trash. Right. Um, you know, like it's not like he. I, I I get the sense that he thinks that it's like an even exchange of insults when like Gin says like a bunch of transphobic shit to Hana and Hana says, "Well, you drink a lot," you know, like and it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, eventually that's so 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 they're like digging through the trash for stuff, um, and they discover an abandoned newborn baby. Um, oh shit. Oh shit! Um, and they uh, and so they 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 take this baby, and uh, Gin and Miyuki uh, want to give it to the police, um, and then Hana is like, "Fuck the police! Fuck the police!" Um, <laughs> if you like the police much, you get them to adopt you. <laughs> yeah, that was such a fucking good line. There's there are I will say like as as neutral as I was on this movie. There were a number of moments that made me fucking bust out laughing. There's there's some yeah. really good jokes in this movie, um, and, and also the animation is is really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's one fucking hideous, awful 3D camera move, and everything else looks pretty good. Yeah, the the one the one the one I noticed was the little um, little wind the wind um, spinners. What are they called? Yeah. Those are also three. They look less hideous. Then there's like a, a move, a camera move when uh, Miyuki is uh, like going with the like the like Spanish hitman to like his house, and they like uh, like the camera okay. like goes around a corner hideously. I, I, yeah, I think I, I uh, think I missed that bit. Anyway, we'll get to uh, that. Um, yeah. Mi- uh, Miyuki, just so flagging this now, so we don't forget, definitely says poggers. She does say poggers. She does say your boobs are poggers. Um, so she, it's 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 a mistake on the part of the of the subtitle translators. It's, <laughs> it's a mistake on the part of Satoshi Kon for writing this movie uh, a decade <laughs> before po- <laughs> a decade before <laughs> Twitch TV uh, was was founded. Um. So anyway, they find a baby. Um, Hana says "a cab," the, and the the others 
yeah uh, and she she cowards specifically offers this this justification where she's like oh i don't want her to like bounce around between different foster families like i did you know i want her to have a home oh, right. um you know um and so yeah and then yeah it's like they all kind of so yeah part of this is a movie about found family and each yeah. of them have kind of lost their like quote unquote traditional family in a different way uh hana um yeah she, she grew up in, in the foster system yeah and uh, and so they they compromise basically and they're like okay well if we won't take them to the police well, i was we gonna should... talk about um like each of them yeah yeah uh so do, you, do we know um why hana how she oh she said she's born in the street so she was so she doesn't she doesn't even know why um she wasn't raised by her biological parents. Yeah, I don't, I don't it's think. never it's never like explained if she does. Know. Um yeah, Jin uh lost his family because he drove them away by drinking and gambling. Yeah. And Miyuki uh stabbed her father, a cop. Yeah. Uh, when Cause she's the fucking best. She rules. Uh so her, her dad sounds like he's kind of like vaguely an asshole. Uh it, it's never I, like then I guess she thinks that he killed her cat but maybe he didn't and so she flipped out and stabbed him and then ran away yeah um uh, and the scene and so the, and so the, the scene where she, so there's like a flashback scene where we get to see this happen and like she likes her like stabbing him and that sh- scene contains a shot that is a direct reference to a shot in perfect blue really yes yeah the scene where she's like holding the knife and the blood is dripping on the floor that's a scene that's a scene exact yeah. exactly taken from perfect blue um, I hear Perfect Blue is actually good. It's great. Uh, I fucking love Perfect Blue. It is highly problematic. I love it. Uh, I see. I see. It, it is your problematic fave. Yeah. Uh, also, it has the weirdest final two seconds of any movie in human history. Uh, cool. So we sh- we definitely need to watch it in the future because it's great. Uh, okay. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so they they compromise and decide like okay, well we'll try we'll try to find the parents because they found this key to like a a coin locker, uh like in like the baby's like basket that it was left in the trash with, um and so they go to that locker and it's just like full of garbage, uh not like garbage it's got there's like a there's another key on like a bottle of whiskey and then there's like a bunch of clothes and then there's like a bunch of photographs. Is this just accused like a dragon now? Yeah, uh, it's exactly. I've forgotten that, that they also find a baby in a in a train station locker there too. Yes, they find a baby in a coin. Lo- well, they don't find a baby in a coin locker in this movie. They find a baby, and then the baby true. leads them to a coin locker, which is a slightly different thing than what happens at true, the beginning. True. Of- so, yeah, you could select a dragon is a game that's that's a retelling of. Uh, the importance of being earnest by oscar wilde <laughs> so this is a retelling of yakuza like a dragon so you see how time functions yeah have you seen primer i haven't actually uh, we should watch primer for the podcast okay 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 the queue is building back up again you were just worrying the other day I was, that we're i was pr- looking... we're crossing things off on our on our list of things to watch and not adding new things i added a couple of new things but i worry that All we're right, crossing cool. things off uh faster than we can uh uh what was i gonna say so yeah so they 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 so they find all these pictures and stuff and they find a business card for a woman named midori who works who worked at some point at a hostess club which uh, again this is a yakuza game um Mm -hmm. so then we go to the hostess club mini game uh (laughs) uh, so they get on a train 
to go there to to go there and then the train like stops because it's snowing heavily this is a christmas movie yes we should have watched it for the for december but we, we should have we did not have that much foresight and so um the train is stopped because of heavy snow and then miyuki sees someone uh, she sees on her the dad train on the other train. Oh, that's her dad. That's her dad. Okay, he was the way he was dressed. I couldn't figure it out for a second. Yeah, uh, and, he sees, so, and he, so she freaks out and opens. I didn't know you could open the train windows like that. Uh, clambers out of the train and yeets. Yeah, it's it's or, how emergency exits work on trains, hits, and they tell you not to bricks. open them until unless the uh, the announcer says case, to. In case of emergency, yeah, and that was an emergency. It was her fucking dad. Yeah, a cop. Um. So. So yeah, and and the baby's the baby's crying and everybody's freaking out and so they they climb out of the train and then they wind up walking along the train tracks uh until they they get to sort of vaguely cemetery, right? They yeah, they 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 arrive at a cemetery because they're they need food and they're they're going to go scrounge for Christmas offerings at the cemetery. Um and they find at the cemetery they find like a bunch of like baby food that somebody's left at like a grave which is uh which is when you think about it distressing uh but you know yeah, when when the lord place. closes the door he opens a window uh <laughs> <laughs> which is That's is sad. one thing that like this whole movie's plot this is another thing that sort of reminds me of of something that the coen brothers do sometimes which is that this plot is almost entirely co- coincidence driven yeah um yeah. which is i it's, it's Sorry, traditionally ahead. bad storytelling, but I, I think it works here in the sense that this is a story sort of about, like, the we- in the way that Cohn's movies often are, about sort of, like, the weird interconnectedness of different people and places. Um, yeah, and, like, it, and it's and it's kind of playing on the idea of a Christmas miracle. Yeah. Uh, that, like, everything kind of, that has to happen just just so yeah happens yeah it's, it's both yeah it's like a christmas miracle or like a folk tale which often sort of relies on these sorts of um coincidence driven storytelling um so yeah. yeah so right outside of that cemetery there is a car park quote unquote parked in the middle of the street <laughs> and then they discover that actually it is being held up by like a yakuza boss trapped under his car <laughs> um this was this was this exact scene was where I I was like this is a Coen Brothers movie um because it's <laughs> such a one that the the Yakuza boss like he looks so much like a Coen Brothers character That's right. Um but yeah, so this so they are so they they give him this business so that they they help the Yakuza boss out from out of the car and then he's like, "Oh, you know, here have some money and like call on me if you ever need any help and they're like speaking of which uh do you happen to know this, this establishment and they give him the business card and he says oh not only do i know it my daughter is getting married to the guy who runs that this evening and i'm not particularly stoked about it um he says it that verbatim um <laughs> yeah. um and so then they go to that, the wedding, which is he's literally on the way to when he got trapped underneath his car. Um, so yeah, he, he just he just he just brings brings our trio along. Yeah, and they're just like standing awkwardly in the corner of the, of this uh, yakuza wedding. Yeah, and they're and and they're like you know, um, and when they're in the car, <laughs> they're like they're like you know you should you should be grateful that she's with somebody she loves, and he's and he turns around and he's like you know i went to my old man's grave to pray that i wouldn't cry at the wedding while they're like barreling towards like a bus (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so they show up at the wedding 
and they eat food and then it turns out that the guy that she's getting married to is the is like the loan shark that gin owed a bunch of money to um yeah so early on he told he tells hana about like why he ended up like this so the story he tells is that he was a bicycle race bicycle racer like like uh, pedal bicycles not not motorcycle and his daughter was terminally ill or very ill and but he owed too much or the, the medical bills were the huge treatment. and so this this sketchy dude uh pay, offered paid him to uh throw, intentionally yeah, throw, throw his bicycling race um but then he was ratted out and got kicked out of the racing club his daughter died and then his wife died and now he's all alone uh we find out that that's not quite true but that was the yeah. story he had told and so yeah. this is allegedly the guy who fucked him over and this is indeed the guy that he we found out we found out later that this is indeed the guy he owed money to just not for that reason um right. And uh, and so he he's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. And then before he can kill him, somebody else kills him. <laughs> uh, one, yeah, a, so. a waitress at the party pulls out a gun and goes to shoot the Yakuza boss. But then this guy like jumps in front of him and takes the bullet. Um, <laughs> but he, so he gets shot. And then it turns out that so. the 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 waitress is like a, a hitman in disguise as a waitress and so how how uh how odd that in a movie about a trans woman they happen to include a a guy in a wig who pretends to be a woman weird uh weird decision yeah weird decision and not not gonna lie um uh, and then he takes uh miyuki and the baby hostage um and then takes them in like a cab to his house, which is a brave place to go after you've just committed a murder. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so here's yeah, this is like there's this weirdly this more this like weirdly like benevolent racism here. I felt like where like they've been trying to humanize like people on the margins of society, and then all of a sudden once when. Miyuki is being dragged in by this guy into this uh, part of town where a lot of uh, like Hispanics families live. It's all scary. And she, when he pulls her into his house, she's like, no, don't sell me into slavery. And then of course it turns out that, that like uh, is it the, the people he lived with are his, lovely. Yeah. His like, wife like breastfeeds the baby. Yeah, um, and, then, so... and then and then is and Miyuki is like, oh, your tits are poggers. Yeah, uh, that's what she says. Her tits are poggers. But like, yeah, that this was this, it's this a, it's a weird was... sequence. I'm not. Yeah, it's it, it it it's very much a this it's it's emblematic of the larger movie as as being a not misguided but just sort of poorly informed and thought through attempt to like humanize those on the margins made by Without, somebody who did not has never emphatically is not a yeah person. who has never experienced anything like any of these characters and didn't think to speak to anybody who has um yeah. and so it's just it just sort of assumes what it's like um yeah. anyway anyway so yeah so while this is going yeah. on uh hana and uh gin are having a uh, like have a an argument about <laughs> this is where Hana says if you like the police so much get them to adopt you, um, 
And then he goes to the police and he's like, I would like to get rid of some trash. And the cop like gets his like small trash can out and he's like, I don't think I'd fit. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, it's such an, it's such an easy joke, but it's like the the way it's delivered. It's really good. (laughs) They nail it. Uh, And so, yeah. So right now, Miyuki is um, with um, the would-be assassin and his wife. He's not a would-be assassin. Uh, he did. He did kill he somebody. Did, well, well, he didn't kill no, somebody. He, he did shoot we, we somebody. Learned, yeah, we learned later that he didn't succeed. Uh, and so Jin and Hana are looking for Miyuki, and then they get into a big old fight because Jin is just like, "Fuck this! Everything sucks." Uh, because he got a bunch of alcohol from the wedding and he's drunk and yeah. belligerent now. Uh, and so they they split off in a huff with each other. Um, he, he, he watched the man die. Yeah, well, yeah, he, like, goes and, like, finds, like, there's a dude, like, passed out in the middle of the street. And he's like, are you okay? And it's, like, this old guy. And he's like, can I have one last request? And he's like, can I give me, give me a drink of that? Because he's carrying around some really fancy, some really fancy booze that he got at the... Yeah, they got that he got at the wedding. So they go back to his like tent house with all the windmills on it, um, and uh, yeah, he sits around with him uh, as he as he drinks and it's like I always wanted to die drunk at a nice old house. Now I'm halfway there, um, and then yeah, then they have they have a brief conversation and then uh, uh, he dies and Gin Gin leaves the tent and then he gets the shit beaten out of him by five teenagers. Yeah, this is this is uh, rough stuff, and also it's all it also happens in Yakuza Kiwami. Yeah, so. it does happen in Yakuza. Oh, shit, it, it does. <laughs> but like, that's a thing. Yeah, teenagers little, are little terrible. Little fascist shitheads like to go around beating the shit out of homeless people. Yeah, uh, not just in, not just in anime. Not just in anime, also in, in real not life. Not just in Japan. Um, so yeah, so they. Um, Right, so yeah, that, that's how everything kind of comes back together because he gets the shit beat out of him and crawls back into an alley. Yeah, and it, well, uh, he gets the shit beat out of him, and then he they steal his money, and then he goes after them again, and then they beat the shit out of him worse, but he gets his money back, uh, and then oh, he right. like almost dies in an alleyway, um, and then uh, he gets found by a woman cosplaying as an angel. Uh, <laughs> She's like. Jin, would you like my blessing or an ambulance? And he's like, an ambulance. Rude. Um, so yeah, and then we, yeah, and this is where we get the backstory about about uh, Miyuki and her stabbing her dad and the scene that's a uh, direct callback to Perfect Blue. Right. So because yes, yeah, she kind of passes out in the in the in the house she's in, and. Dreams a mixed up dream about stabbing her dad mixed in with Jin and Hana, um, and then wakes up to find that Hana has found them uh, because the baby's crying again. I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, she. Yeah. She like takes a cab and then she wanders to that part of town and hears the baby crying. Um, oh right, her the whole cab subplot. Yeah. Um, let's let's ignore that. And then. Uh... Yeah, and then Hana finds so so yeah so they're reunited and then they're walking out of there. They're leaving with the baby and then they encounter uh like some some guys pulling a putting a body on an ambulance. They're like, oh, I think he was homeless, and, and then they're just like, oh my god, it's right, it's Jin. Right, right. Um, and then they uh, because yeah, this is when Miyuki's like 
realizing that Hana is kind of in love with Jin. Yeah. Uh, and also starting to actually like respect Hana f- for the first time and yeah. calls her Hana-san instead of whatever shitty thing she was calling her yeah. before. The strange, the strange thing about this movie is that like it's established at the beginning that these three like literally live together and they've been hanging out for a long time and yet like only now have they started to like learn anything about each other or interact in any way it seems like like it's it's trying to have it both ways as in like oh these three characters learning to like get along and like each other but also being like a story of like three people who've known each other for a really long time and like it it doesn't make sense when yeah like that when they found the baby the like what what it reminded me of was the film shoplifters which is also kind of about poverty and found family in contemporary Japan. Uh, and the way they do it is really clever where um, they like two of the household members find this toddler, um, alleged, not, not a baby, but a toddler seemingly abandoned by her, her family. Um, and they take her in. And at first the, it, you assume it's just a, a poor traditional family all multiple generations living together in a very small house but as the film proceeds you realize none of them are related to each other and you it slowly kind of parcels out how each of them Mm. kind of um join the family uh and you you get that kind of backstory they already know each other and so what what the film kind of gives you along the way is how this how this family came to be yeah yeah and that's like a different thing of like the audience doesn't know but the characters all know whereas here right. it, it feels like here they try to have both yeah right. they try to have both like it feels like the characters you know were created in, a, in an empty room seconds ago for the purposes of telling us this story um you know which is it's it's very strange um so uh yeah so they they so, so han is like i don't know where to go uh so she takes miyuki to um a drag bar yes angel tower uh a club where hana yeah that's a club where hana used to work um and yeah uh and then she she worked there until we learn that she uh got into a fight with some dude who was there uh while she was while she was singing who she like (laughs) threw a glass of wine on initially i think she was um in a relationship with one of the male employees uh she was in a relationship i it's actually unclear whether i don't think it's whether he worked there or he was just like a patron or if he was just like somebody who was just around or whatever but yeah it was this guy named ken yeah there's um yeah he died and he's like oh but my my husband died and then uh the the uh woman who who runs the place is like it like whispers very quietly like aids and then she's like no he slept on a bar of soap in the shower god uh and so yeah and so after that this one of the uh, patrons is like uh heckling her it's in so she flips out and kicks the shit out of him the, Wiki, the so wikipedia she, article on the wikipedia plot synopsis of tokyo godfathers hopefully links to the wikipedia article for soap on the <laughs> words bar of soap uh in this <laughs> in this part of the wikipedia. synopsis Never change. Uh. <laughs> uh, and so she's so ashamed um, of losing control like that. And and because of her grief that she doesn't feel like she can go back. And so that's how she ends up um, homeless. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so then they discover that uh, Gin has also been at that same club. <laughs> the, the angel is the one angel. of the performers. Yeah, uh, and so they, so the gang, the gang's back together. Yeah, and so they, so they, they spend the night there, and then in the morning they set out, uh, and and go to Sachiko's house. Sachiko being the, oh, the right. woman so who it was. They got the address from. So this is, yeah, this is when they were digging through the trash trying to find something about this baby they found um yeah that that business card to the to the hostess club and then at the wedding when they asked the owner he was like oh that her real name is sachiko and does he give them the address no he gets shot while on the phone talking to somebody to find out where she may okay, have gone so where do they end up finding the address uh i actually don't remember i think uh I have no, I have no memory of. Oh, they don't find the address. They find photos of her and a man. And right, then, right, right. No, yeah, they go out then, to the house, and then they they discover that an abandoned house that they spend the night in is the house that they were looking for, because they compare right, it. So, they compare it with the photo. So, yeah, Jin had found a a poster in the old man who died. His in his in his house, he had a poster of these two towers that match the the buildings in the skyline of the photo with Sachiko. And so then they finally figure out, they triangulate the location of this apartment. Yeah. Uh, and then, and so they walk walk in that direction overnight, spend the night with a shit ton of kitties. Yeah. Uh, who hate Jin because he he's just eating them. Uh, they, they, these, all these cats understand spoken Japanese. Yeah, and they and they and they wish they didn't honestly. Yeah, and they wake up and realize yeah they they've been camping out in the ruins of the house they were looking for. Yeah, um, so yeah, and then they 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 make sure by uh, Gin he like takes the key that they have to the house and he opens the like still standing door uh, and walks through <laughs> and he's like, "Honey, I'm home," and then the door just falls over. Loop. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, then the door collapses. And... Yeah. The old slapstick fashion. So, yeah. So then in the morning, it's... a woman comes by to feed all the cats. And they're like, hey, we're looking for the the people who used to live in this house. And then she tells them. Uh, they do the whole, like, hold it, this whole, like, uh, not not game of telephone. But, like, she brings another neighbor who yeah. brings another neighbor who brings another neighbor. All having completely irrelevant information about yeah, this Yeah, they all just have completely couple. irrelevant gossip. And then Hannah finds... Or Jin finds Hana. Oh no, uh, Miyuki a, finds. Oh uh, yeah, a, a, a new address that they moved yeah. to. Yeah, she finds a calendar with their new address written on it in the upstairs of the uh, apartment. Right, right. And um, and uh, Miyuki also finds a newspaper clipping. Uh, I think that's like a like classified ad looking for her specifically, and her dad asking her to call. Um, oh, which is I why, yeah, which is why then after that they go, um, um, uh, they go to so quote the food store, uh, where they hang out for a bit while, and then Miyuki goes to the phone booth and like calls her dad and then can't say anything on the phone and hangs up. And then, yeah, yeah. uh, they're, 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 the clerk at the, at the, at quote the food store tells them to leave. Uh, and then. Uh, this the plot synopsis does not mention the most important bit of this at all. It just skips directly to Hana going to the hospital. The reason she goes to the hospital is because she is almost hit by uh, a speeding ambulance, which 
smashes through the front of the food store, narrowly missing all of them. Um, right. So, yeah. So, th- so this drunk guy in the convenience store uh, starts yelling shit at them. Yeah. And start trying to trying to fight with Jin. Yeah. And, and they then, take this outside, and that winds up saving their lives because right, an ambulance right. busts through the front of the food store. And then the guy right. the guy driving the ambulance gets out of the ambulance. Is like, you better call an ambulance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it, I don't I don't know if it clipped Hana or yeah. I forget, but she, yeah, she, she's bleeding. Yeah, and she... And so uh, they all troop off to the hospital where, let's see, we have a very, <laughs> almost an American... Uh, not Admittedly, it's, it costs... Not having enough money to pay for the hospital but bill. But it's 30,000 yen. I know, it's, th- <laughs> I know, it's $300. Yeah, which is... Um, um, which is yeah, yeah it's, it happens to be almost thing. exactly the amount of money that uh gin has saved up to give to his daughter um right. who we find out during this hospital sequence that his daughter is actually alive and that his wife is actually alive and he's full of shit uh, right so coincidence upon coincidence she is the nurse who he uh gives the money to gives gives his his uh tear-stained 30,000 yen to yeah uh, and then they look at each other and realize uh, who who they are, and then have a a nice long talk about uh, her mother and how she's doing and what she's been up to. And Hana is not having uh, it. She she is, uh, has had it up to here with Jin's shit. So she tears him a new one uh, in front of his daughter about how he lied about them being dead to, as a little sob story so he wouldn't have to tell her that he drove them away by drinking and gambling all their money and yada, 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 yada. And then um, she leaves them to have an extremely awkward uh, goodbye. And she and Miyuki. Yeah, so they leave and then they are walking across a bridge uh, while Hana, while talking about like what they're going to do next, um, right, right, and so yeah, and so Hana, yeah, she, after getting after getting all worked up from chewing out Jin, now she's feeling, I think, very emotionally spent and is is starting to like regret uh, not taking this baby um, to the police because she is worried that that they'll get in trouble and that this baby deserves better than what they can provide and and she's going on and on and on about how the parents must be regretting what abandoning the baby and yeah and they're, they're freaking out and maybe even committing suicide and then behind them coincidence of coincidence yeah behind them a woman is about to jump off of the bridge that they're on uh and so they um so they they stop her from from jumping and then realize that she is Sachiko uh and that this is her baby and then they're like, "Okay, great. Here's your baby back." <laughs> uh, and she, and that was easy. Um, uh, and so she leaves. Well, uh, for, at first, Hannah hits her, and it's like, "How could you abandon your baby?" Et cetera, et cetera. And and uh, she's like, "I didn't want to. It was my husband. I've been looking for the baby this this whole time." And Hannah is like, "Oh." And, shouldn't have hit you then should yeah. i have and so then in in while while we're still in the hospital there's two t- t- tv things that get shown one is a news report about uh, a lottery win by a lottery ticket with the number one 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 one
simultaneously a news report about <laughs> about a baby who's been stolen from a, a nearby hospital, and then. Okay. Uh, and because it's a movie, it has to be the same baby. Uh, and then they're like, we've released a sketch of an infant. And it's like, okay, police sketches are already useless. All babies look exactly the same. Like, what do you hope to get out of a police sketch of a baby? It's, uh, it's a baby, boss. It looks exactly like every other baby. So, yeah. So, Jin sees that while he's still hanging out in the hospital waiting room yeah and he's like oh fuck so he books it to the the new address for sachiko that they found in the abandoned house or uh to try and meet up again with miyuki and hana he, uh. doesn't, he doesn't find them there nor does he find sachiko but he finds the deadbeat dad instead yeah um, and he, he's, you know, trips over him, sleeping under the kotatsu. Yeah. And they scream at each other for a hot minute. And then he's like, Where's the baby? And the dude's like, Fuck. I have no idea. <laughs> and then uh, after they yell at each other a little more, and it transpires that uh, the baby is not Sachiko's exactly. Uh, she herself nicked the baby from a hospital. Yeah. Uh, because well, she we'll learn miscarried. Why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as we as we learned, she miscarried and uh, stole a baby. Yeah, highly normal stuff. And then who? I, I so Jin I, leaves the apartment, and then he like. No, but I couldn't get. I couldn't keep track of was. It, so was it, who was it who abandoned the baby uh, after that? Though? I believe was Sachiko. It, okay, I wasn't. I couldn't tell if it was. Because when Jin was yelling at the husband, he was like, at one point the husband said something about like I was, like I'm I'm I was sick of the whole situation or something, and yeah. I, I couldn't tell if that if that I think the he was husband about I leaving think he, Sachiko no, or I think about I, abandoning the baby. Honestly, judging by how he looked, I don't think he had moved from the spot that he was in when Jin found him in a week. Um, <laughs> Plausible. Uh, so yeah, so I think Sachiko stole the baby, and then was like, oh shit, I just stole a baby. Uh, and then abandoned the baby and then found and then received the baby again and was like well I guess I guess I'll just hold on to this baby Uh, and so then Jin steals this dude's bike and rides it down the street in does he steal a cop's bike uh, no that's later oh that's Uh, okay he he has multiple bikes yeah so he steals Uh, the bike from outside the apartment and then he rides it down the street as fast as he possibly can and then he try he sees hana and um yuki and then tries to stop but it's there's snow all over the ground and so he just completely eats shit and it's hilarious (laughs) right and then he then 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 he's so out of breath that they have to play charades yeah it's it's a it's really good yeah and he's like gesturing and then he finally is like fake the mother sachiko's a fake um and so now the big chase scene starts yes um and so yeah so they they go after her and she runs they find her in a park trying to breastfeed this baby who's refusing to drink uh and so they chase they chase after her they like chase after her on foot and then Jin, Jin, Jin steals a bike and then uh they get they find the same taxi cab driver from earlier um and scream at him to drive as fast as possible and he's like i don't like this at all uh <laughs> But he does anyway. He does anyway. Um, so so yeah. So we got we got Sachiko driving the stolen truck, and then yeah. 
Jin chasing after driving a stolen police bike, he gets onto uh, onto one of on one side of the truck, and then she kind of she shakes him off. She opens the door and like pushes his bike away, which could literally kill him. I don't think she clear. cares. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, no. We learn later that she is not above manslaughter. Uh, then he he drifts on the taxi. Then they like accelerate and like launch him forward he gets onto the other side of the truck and then she straight up drives him into the wall of yeah. the, like the tunnel they're going and his through. bike is destroyed and we're like oh shit jim is is dead but no he's holding onto the door of the truck uh and then she loses control of the truck and crashes into uh like an apartment a, building some sort of high rise and so Jin like grabs the baby and like fall like falls off the truck and rolls 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 saves the baby truck collapses Sachiko emerges like an avenging angel grabs the baby and uh, gets in an elevator going to the top floor yeah and then is chased <laughs> up there by Miyuki you, yeah, you, um, Yuki knows she's going to the top floor because this is an action movie, despite yeah. what Hana repeatedly tells Jin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, so Sachiko gets to the elevator just before it closes. So Miyuki has to take the stairs and up, 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 up to the roof. And then she corners Sachiko and the baby. And Sachiko once again gets on the edge of the, gets on the edge and threatens to jump yeah uh, and then and this then... is where we learn all of the stuff about she miscarried um or i actually think she it was like a stillbirth not a miscarriage considering she was at a hospital oh, um, right okay that she wouldn't that have been in sense. the in the uh like natal ward of a hospital if uh she had a miscarriage yeah, so so yeah miyuki had learned the backstory from uh i guess th- from Jin through the husband and so miyuki says something about like you of all people should know what it's like to lose a child. And then, yeah, so then we get we get uh, yeah. tearful uh, exposition. And then, but she's like... Yeah. Uh, she's yeah, going to jump said, anyway. And, yeah, that's it. And then she sees her husband. He Because he sees the news report about a woman on the roof of a building. And he's like, oh, Jesus. The, <laughs> after, after, after a truck crashed into it. And so every, so every, every, it's like, sounds like my bitch of a wife. Have have you seen that movie? It's a mad, 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 mad world. No. It's this old slapstick kind of like adventure film almost. It's like, I don't, I have no sense of if it's good, but like I was obsessed with it when I was a kid because it's like three hours long, just like the most advanced like stunts you could do in like the 60s or whatever it's just this ridiculous rat race movie where like six different groups of people are all like racing from one side of the country to the other because they've they learn about a million dollars buried like under some palm trees in malibu and so it's just this ludicrous uh movie where but then it ends everyone converging on this one spot and it's just this complete fiasco and that's kind of what this reminded me of um with how like everybody just kind of sort of inevitably 
winds up in the same spot for the kind of climactic finale. Yeah, I, I it's uh this whole sequence is phenomenally stupid and i hated every second of it um but i also kind of don't know how else they could have ended it um (laughs) it's it's really just a proof this entire film was doomed from the start um you know um so yeah so yes so she sees her husband and she's like shouting like don't kill yourself and then um she jumps anyway and then uh miyuki catches her and then uh, convinces, and then like she's can uh, Sachiko is convinced because she hears like the baby say, "I want to go home," which is something that a baby could say in Japanese, but not in English because it's way fewer syllables in in Japanese. Uh, and um, so she's like, "Okay, take the baby and and bring her to her parents," and then um, then she falls anyway, and then. Uh, Hana catches uh, Yuki and then Hana falls anyway and then holds the baby and then like catches like like lands on a ledge and then slips again and then like catches a flag and then is about to fall and the flag acts like a parachute and she is gently fallen she is gently carried to the earth Um, and then uh, they're all in the hospital later uh, the parents have been the real parents have been reunited with the baby um and then uh, there's uh, we we get an insert shot of like a bunch of lottery tickets in like their bag and discover that the one the, the like winning lottery ticket that was on the news earlier is the one that was one of the ones that they have in their bag. Of course. Um, and then they're like, well, we want to make these these three people who recovered our baby. We want them to be the, the godfathers of this baby. Um, and so then the, then the, dete- the, the detective uh open opens opens the door and it turns out the detective has been miyuki's dad the whole time uh and then the movie ends uh that's like the fastest we've ever gotten through a plot synopsis i'm proud of us we didn't we didn't really have a whole lot to add no yeah i mean like yeah this this movie there's not a lot to talk like there's both a lot to talk about and also not a lot to talk about i hate this movie less than i hate paprika uh paprika uh, is a is a vastly worse movie than this for reasons that i'm i'm yeah. not sure i can articulate um, i mean paprika has like higher highs and much lower lows uh i think a big part of the reason why paprika is much worse is because paprika looks like shit for a greater percentage of its runtime uh mm-hmm. whereas this movie I, oh because it uses more 3d yeah it uses more gross 3d i and... I, I just kind of remember the good the good visual parts there's like, like i re- like the opening sequence is basically the only really good visual part and everything else either looks bad or looks normal um okay. yeah, i have rose colored glasses on the on the on the visuals um, yeah and then um yeah and paprika is in a lot of ways paprika is a retread of themes from perfect blue but worse um okay. and a retread of some themes from Millennium actress but worse um yeah, and so so I, I just I really hate Paprika. I've seen that movie like four times, and I've liked it less every single time. And I'll probably if I would watch this movie again, I'll probably like it less, uh, yeah, or maybe I'll like it more. But I don't know. Uh, but I, I have no, I got I got nothing out of this movie. Um, yeah, you know, my it, 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 my disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a great movie. Yeah, I, I I shouldn't say that. My disappointment is not immeasurable, and my day is not ruined. Like I didn't have a terrible <laughs> yeah, time watching like, it. But yeah, I didn't once have a once great time once we got it. once they kind of uh, got the transphobia out of their system, like 
it was just it was just unremarkable. The second act, I, I I would say that the second act of this movie is pretty good, and the first and third acts are so bad that it evens out and is mediocre. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's basically it, I guess. Let's uh, let's nine delights this. Uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? Walking around, there's a lot of walking around in this movie, and a lot of it is good. I would give that like a. That is true. I might. I honestly might give the walking around a five out of five because it's kind of the best part of this movie. I'd say so. Yeah. Uh. Fellowship. There's some fellowship in this. This is a movie about fellowship. This, this movie is a movie about fellowship. It's a yeah. movie about fellowship. I don't think it's very good at it. Uh, but it's certainly. But it is about fellowship. I would give yeah, it a three yeah. or three or four. Yeah, it, yeah. In terms of kind of its focus on fellowship, at least a four. In terms of its success in representing fellowship, yeah. I think I think it's 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 good. It does good good enough in order to uh, deserve a four for both sheer quantity of fellowship and and quality <laughs> quality thereof. Sheer quantity although quantity of fellowship, uh, if <laughs> if it. Uh, if it reached, it would, if it, to deserve a five, it would need to be more interesting. Um, deliciousness. Uh, there is not not much. There's... Even even the montage where they um, like sit in a diner and yeah, like eat eat as much as they can afford. Yeah, I will say that diner. They, one thing that this movie you don't does even really see the food. One thing that this movie does really have going for it is is vibes. The visual vibes are off the charts. Oh yeah, um, you know it's it's very it's a very cozy movie, um, <laughs> you know. Like I, because, yeah, because yeah, they're all constantly like tr- trying to get warm during this winter. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's got a lot of good snow stuff. It's got a lot of good painterly backgrounds. It's got a lot of good vibes. Yeah, it's it's positive. But deliciousness, like this this movie, this movie, I would like it have liked it at least three or four percent more if it had a really good food montage in it and it doesn't and it's like conspicuously missing missing actually so i'm gonna give it like a like a one out of five yeah uh transcendence this movie doesn't transcend anything it it it, it, it thinks the ending is transcendent uh, yeah with the whole like that's like a zero out of five. down from the tower but it really fails yeah this movie transcends nothing Duh. <laughs> zero out of five uh goofing this movie is actually pretty funny uh, oh yeah, yeah. The, when the goofs, when they're good, are good. I, yeah, I would also I would put that in the same fellowship category of a four out of five. Of like, I did bust out laughing quite a bit during this movie. There, <laughs> it, the the comedic moments are really good. Um, you know, it's the same the same sort of comedic heart that Millennium Actress has. Uh, yeah. Amelioration. Uh, it's just the way the way it all works out is so dumb. It's yeah. I mean, it's like it kind of knows that it's contrived, yeah. but that doesn't really that doesn't really help. Yeah, like it's contrived on purpose to give it a sort of like folktale kind of feel, but it it doesn't quite work, um, and it's stupid. So <laughs> two out of five. Uh, coitus, thankfully, a zero. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to know how they would have navigated Yeah, this that. movie contains no sex and as we established uh last month, uh more can be worse when it comes to coitus. <laughs> uh 
uh, enthrallment, I was not particularly enthralled. Nope. I would give this also a zero out of five, like like transcendence. Zero or one. Yeah. Uh, what's your what's your wild card? Uh, wild card uh, is transphobia. Mm. I would say I'll go to four out of five. Is that good? No, in terms of how much transphobia there is. But I feel like we don't always like. We don't always rate these in terms of how much there is. Like, we're not like the fellowship isn't just four out of five because there's a lot of it. It's four out of five. Well, okay, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I feel like you can't make one of the nine delights a bad thing. That's true. Okay, uh, you know, they're they're so, delights. So, okay, so what's the inverse? <laughs> Okay. Uh, I that that's all, that, that I don't. Yeah, without that, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of. Mine is gonna lost. be mine is gonna be winter vibes, and it's gonna be a four out of five. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. How about mine instead is is a cabs, uh, which is honestly like a one <laughs> out of five. Like they like Hana Hana like says has some has some it, uh, it doesn't come from a place of, of the hating the cops it comes from a place right. of hating gin <laughs> yeah and then at the end like we're trying like miyuki's gonna be reconciled with her cop dad and yeah this movie stabs uh, cops and then is like that was bad which is not a good thing for a movie to do sorry uh well those are those are the nine delights. Well, really the ten delights because we each get a wild card. Uh, <laughs> so, Alex, do you have a book to recommend? I do. Uh, so, I thought about a much better uh, narrative about being poor and trans. Um, this is "Little Pieces of Skull" by Roz Cavani, which is. A semi-autobiographical novel about uh, living in Chicago in the '70s, and it's like what I remember most is just that it, it's very funny. Like, there's lots of death and misery uh, because being trans in the '70s was uh, not not always a great time. But uh, just the writing is is great, and it's it's like I think I forget if it was her afterward or like someone blurbing it, but they described it as like almost a comedy of manners in the way it's written. Um, just, just how kind of she does, she renders dialogue and, and social situations. So that's uh, tiny pieces of skull by uh, Roz Cavani. Uh, cool. Uh, I, I've already recommended uh, little fish by Casey Plett. Uh, in the past, which is in a similar vein of be uh, a story about being broken trans, uh, I can I can wholeheartedly recommend Little Fish. I can also I mean I would I haven't recommended Nevada by Imogen Binney, but everybody has already read that book, uh, so I won't recommend it. Uh, so instead, I'm going to recommend uh, something completely unrelated to this movie in particular, but very related to this podcast, which is The Anime Machine by Thomas Lamar. Um, so I fucking love this book. Uh, I, w I went into it with low expectations and they were blown out of the water by this book. So this, it is, uh, I knew I was going to like this book when, so it's a book about 
anime. Its, it's subtitle is A Media Theory of Animation. And um, I went in... I, re- I realized I was going to like this book when the author spends the entire, most much of the introduction and like the entire first chapter talking not about animation at all, but about trains. Um, <laughs> so he, there's some, there's some deranged stuff in this book that really uh, made me happy. Uh, he says stuff like, if the relation between trains and cinema has become an important paradigm for analyses of modern perception, it is because many commentators have drawn an analogy between the mobile eye of a movie camera and the eyes of the traveler gazing from the speeding train. Both kinds of mobile vision force a confrontation with a sort of projectile vision. The mobile camera of cinema tended towards a bullet's eye view, much like the train. In both instances, movement entailed a sensation of speeding into and even cutting into the world, which introduced a sense of separation between viewer and viewed, while distracting attention from the technologies that allowed for this quote surgical strike on reality um hell yeah and just all sorts of completely deranged shit like that um (laughs) so it's really good it's it's like a very academic book if you don't like reading sort of like postmodern media theory academic writing uh you would i don't you would probably hate it but um i like reading that stuff because i find it at worst hilarious and at best insightful Uh, (laughs) um And so, yeah, so he he touches on in we have complained a lot in this podcast about in this very episode, in fact, about hideous 3D camera moves in uh, anime in a way Mm -hmm. that um, in in a way that's been somewhat unarticulate um, in that I just I I, have been unable to articulate what bothers me about them other than that they look too 3D and just sort of bad and fake, which is a weird criticism to make of a cartoon. that it looks fake um but he so thomas lamar in this book outlines so he borrows a concept from paul virilio who's a french philosopher who wrote about uh speed and warfare and information for much of the 20th century uh he like his whole shtick was basically that like the principal thing that technology does is increase the speed at which human life is lived and that we have long past moved beyond a point at which like the speed at which life can is moving is like amenable to human existence but also it's impossible to go back because once you've experienced a faster way of life anything slower is impossible to you uh and he wrote he wrote a bunch about this he had this concept called dramology about like which is like this the study of speed uh and he wrote about movies and he coined this concept of of cinematism which lamar builds on by sort of creating a not really a dichotomy, but really a spectrum between what he calls cinematism and what he calls animatism. Um, and so for Virilio and for Lamar, cinematism is that sort of bullet's eye view, the sort of ballistic trajectory of the camera and what he often refers to as movement into depth. Um, you know, the sensation of moving into a three-dimensional space rather than moving across it. And he, the reason he brings up trains is because he contrasts cinema's sort of like trains eye perspective like the perspective of looking down the tracks with the perspective of looking out the window and the perspective of looking out the window being essentially what animation is because a lot of the movement in animation is is about like the compositing and movement of different layers across each other as one would be looking out of a train um and he spends a bunch of time talking about like the invention of the multi-planar camera and like early attempts by studios like disney to replicate that sense of movement into depth that is characteristic of cinema um 
and he he talks a bunch about that and talks and then talks about different anime directors and there are various attempts to sort of move away from that so the the book is split into three sort of sections the first section is about hayao miyazaki broadly uh the second section is about hideaki ano and the third section is about the manga collective clamp who did uh chobits and holic and some other stuff um and he talks about um like miyazaki wanting and and takahata wanting like the movies that ghibli makes and the movies that they've made in the past to be seen as like manga films and not as anime um whereas ano being more representative of like the anime camp which he identifies with like limited animation versus full animation but he talk and he uh there's a great section in the hideaki ano chapter where he sort of demolishes the distinction between limited and full animation and demolishes the idea that limited animation is like less animation or less artful than quote-unquote full animation um <laughs> there's a lot of there's just so much great stuff in here um you know, I was going to say that's funny, given that, given that Anno is the one who seems much more skeptical of an, of anime as... Oh, well, now he is, yes. A, a medium. Um, but, like, and it, he talks in here at, uh, about, like, there's a lot of stuff in here about, like, the, the way that, like, geometrically, quote-unquote, correct Cartesian perspective implies a kind of objectivity or attempts to assert a kind of objectivity that huh. the um that like he spends a bunch of time in the Anno chapter talking about one of the first animations that Anno directed which was the Daikon 3 and Daikon 4 opening animations which were uh the two of the first the two first animations that Gainax Studios ever worked on which were they were opening animations for a sci-fi and anime convention in Osaka um and he talks about like the distinction he's talking about this like right after the end of the Miyazaki chapter and talking about like the distinction between their essential like essentially completely disregarding correct geometrically correct perspective and having sort of like multiple planes of 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 perspective and multiple perspectives in the same frame at once and contrasting that with to to an extent ghibli animation and to an even greater extent disney animation's emphasis on sort of geometrically correct perspective um Mm. a great chapter in here about uh takashi murakami's uh super flat art movement and takashi murakami is a guy who I think most people will know as the dude who drew the cover of Kanye West's graduation. Um, (laughs) But he, he's like a big, like postmodern Japanese artist who wrote this manifesto about what he called super flat, which was this idea of like flattening geometric perspective as being like an essential part of like Japanese art dating back to the Edo period. um, And like something that he drew on in his art. And Lamar talks about that and talks about, it's sort of because Murakami tries to like draw manga and anime into this into this sort of continuous lineage of Japanese art and tries to present Japanese art as being as and and Japanese culture as having always already been postmodern as opposed to hmm. Western art which moved through a period of from classical to modern to now postmodern um, and Lamar problematizes this in a number of different ways and points out that a lot of his sort of points completely break about anime completely break down if you consider. Uh, anime as a moving image rather than as static frames which is really interesting Uh, um yeah there's just there's so much this book is bursting with just brilliant observations and 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 it's so it's simultaneously very narrow in scope in that he's mostly concerned with what he calls like he what he calls the anime machine which is like the literal like 
process of making anime including like the people who make it but also the technology that they use to make it and like considering that as an entire machine process mm-hmm. um rather than as a way to like sort of break down the dichotomy of thinking but of technology technology deterministically of like oh making stuff with an animation stand or whatever it necessarily produces these kinds of images or this kind of art versus completely removing the role of technology in what art that people can produce and saying oh it's entirely up to people or the culture that they come from there's a great bit in here where he just like spends a few pages just like dunking on the idea that japanese culture like like the the sort of uniqueness of japanese culture coming from like um this like anecdote about like samurai refusing uh refusing to use guns uh in like the 1700s after they were introduced and he talks about how like one that's historically kind of dubious and then talks about how like this doesn't say anything about japanese culture it says something about this specific segment of japanese culture in this specific period it's it's really good um there's just so much there's so much stuff i could talk forever about just all of the brilliant garbage that is pouring (laughs) pouring forth from this book um um yeah i love it and i i really wanted to talk about it last month when i hadn't recommended it when we were watching uh mononoke Honestly, uh, both recommended the re- had re- recommendation regrets from last. I month. did kind of, yeah. Um, I wanted, to, okay, I, I just hadn't finished reading it uh, when we were watching Mononoke, um, and I, yeah, it's because Mononoke is is such an interesting example of a lot of the sort of cinematism, animatism spectrum that this book centers on, and oh, it's so good. But yeah, this book has has really cl- it's changed the way that I think about a lot of stuff, and it's clarified a lot of my thoughts about the specifically visual aspects and like motion aspects of animation in a way that's that's really really cool so i would highly recommend if any of that stuff sounds even remotely interesting you definitely check out uh the anime machine by thomas lamar so next month uh much to our chagrin netflix is releasing a live action cowboy bebop uh and we started this podcast one thousand years ago uh in order to talk about evangelion when it came to netflix which was that was why we originally talked about it because we knew we were going to get hell of seo uh (laughs) about about it um and so uh we're doing it again we're not going to watch the live action uh version yeah we're going to be watching the the original cowboy bebop not the live action version produced by sunrise directed by shinichiro watanabe uh it's a good show. We both already know we oh, like no. it. Oh, no. It's it's a fantastic show. Um, uh, and uh, so we're... I mean, I'm honestly just excited to get to Washington because it's been a, it's been a long time. Uh, and, I mean, it's going to do numbers. It won't do numbers. Nobody cares. Uh, but it will <laughs> It will contain... I promise hey, you our, this. Our Ava episodes did numbers. Our Ava episodes did do numbers. And our Ava Rebuild episodes did some pretty good numbers as well. Oh, uh, oh the, the recent one? Yeah, the recent one. The one that we just did. Yeah. Uh, yeah um but yeah so it, i promise you that in addition to us talking about one of if not the best anime television series ever produced we will also i will at the very least also spend a significant amount of time complaining about the cultural hegemony of hollywood television and movies uh sounds good so be there or be square <laughs> you piece of shit <laughs> uh anyway alex where can people find you on the internet 
I'm on Twitter at uh, Dun Dun Dun. I post on Mastodon sometimes at Catalina. Uh, at selfie.army at selfie with a y and i stream uh at https colon slash slash <laughs> trash dot cloud how about you guys? uh you find me on twitter at profit underscore goddess you can find me on mastodon at profit underscore goddess at skeleton dot cool uh i also stream at trash dot cloud you can find the video games that i've made at profit goddess.itch.io uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Anime is for Jerks. You can find the uh, show on Mastodon at Anime is for Jerks at Skeleton.cool. You can email us at Anime is for Jerks at gmail.com. We've gotten no emails this month. Oh, wow. uh, but yeah, write us about anything. Write us about Cowboy Bebop. Write us about, write us about the books we recommend. That's what I actually want to hear about. I want to hear if any of you have read <laughs> any of the books that we've recommended and what you thought about them. If you've read... Well, yeah, yeah, that's the important part of this Yeah, the podcast. important part of this podcast is for us to convince you to do anything other than play video games and watch anime. If we can do that for any one of you, uh, we will have accomplished something. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Next month, Cowboy Bebop, Hinshiro Watanabe, Sunrise. Woo! Uh, and remember... There's nothing less important than anime.